Open your Bibles, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. This is one of my favorite portions of Scripture. The whole book of Ephesians is absolutely, absolutely complete, or absolutely amazing letter. I was thinking about this before service tonight. I was thinking about how in chapter 1, we see the unfolding of God's sovereign plan and purpose for his people. We're going to see God planning salvation in eternity, God executing salvation in time, and then we who are the blood-bought, born-again saint of God being regenerated by the Holy Spirit of God. And we will see tonight the whole Trinity in action in our salvation. And we should be able to leave here tonight proclaiming the same words as Jonah, which we, which we do, salvations of the Lord. It's so clear. I don't know if there's a clearer passage in the New Testament than Ephesians chapter 1, which brings forth the fact that salvation is of the Lord. The fact that he is the only Savior. The fact that the Lord Jesus Christ has purchased his people. And the fact that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, think of this. I was thinking about this too. Think of, let's put ourselves tonight in the place of the Ephesian church. Just in our minds. We are living in a city, a huge city, of Ephesus. There's idol worship all around us. In fact, there's a temple to Diana, a false pagan god, huge temple. So we're in the midst of all this idol worship. Well, we're in the midst of all this idol worship too, aren't we? Even today. See, nothing new under the sun, is there? Nothing new under the sun. We're in the same situation. So let this letter, <coughs> let's read this letter. As, is it, and I, I know it's just our mindset, though. Thinking of how they felt when they received this wondrous letter from the Apostle Paul. And this letter is addressed to a group of believers who are rich beyond measure in Christ. And Paul will bring that forth. They may be poor and in their position in life, they may not be. But each of the believers is rich abundantly in Christ. As I said, we are the most, you know, Bill Gates, he's got, he's got a lot of money in this world, but he's got no spiritual blessings in Christ. And there's, we live in an area with the, with the big three where there's owners of those companies, CEOs that make, Millions of dollars a year. So they have a lot. They have a lot financially. But they're bankrupt spiritually. We are rich, beloved. We are rich beyond compare. And we're mercy beggars as we live in this world. And sometimes when the things of this world can come upon us, we can lose sight of how rich we are in Christ. And I'm not talking 
I'm not talking that health, wealth, prosperity garbage that people talk about. On that's that's the most ridiculous thing. That's the ugh, I get so upset about that stuff. I'm talking about being rich in Christ, rich in Christ and Him alone. And Paul, <clears throat> Paul is going to send this them. This letter, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, to remember the true author of this letter is the Holy Spirit of God. So with that in our minds, let's, let's look at chapter 1. Scripture says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. Look at that. So the first thing we see, Paul is not an apostle by man, but he's an apostle by the will of God. Right off the bat, he gives glory to our great God. He says, I'm nothing. I, remember what he says? I am what I am by the grace of God. So he's giving glory to God right away. He's saying, I am an apostle. And there's no apostles today. I had some, I was out for breakfast with someone this week. And this lady said she was an apostle. And, well, that's not a good thing to say around me. And I told her, no. I said, you're lying. There's no more apostles. And you're deceived. You're deceived. And even the fellow with me said the same thing. And she just quietly couldn't defend herself. There are no apostles nowadays. There's none. No. There was 12 apostles. One of them was a devil. And then there was a 13th one, which brings us back to 12, <laughs> which was Paul, the one who's writing this letter. And he says this, look at this. To the saints, to those who are born again by the Holy Spirit of God. And look at that, we're called saints. I remember the first time I told my mom I was a saint of God, she about, <laughs> she about fell over. She was a Catholic. Oh, don't ever say that. I said, but the Bible says I'm a saint. <laughs> that's what we are, beloved. That's what we are. We're holy in Christ. We don't feel that way, but the, the, it, it states this, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful. And remember I mentioned this morning about being in Christ? To the faithful in Christ Jesus. That's our state. He's writing to those who are born-again, blood-washed believers who are in Christ by the will of God. Grace be to you in peace. Grace always precedes peace. There will be no peace without grace. Grace always precedes peace. We, are, we have peace with God by the grace of God in and through the Lord Jesus Christ, who is God. There's no grace coming from God. There's no peace. And look what it says. From God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. It comes, to the fa comes from the Father through Christ. He's the conduit to us. To us. And notice we're going to see some facts brought forth here. These are not up for debate. There's no debate in the word of God. It says here, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. That's a statement of fact. Look at that. Who hath blessed us. It's past tense. 
When hath he blessed us with all spiritual blessings in Christ? In eternity. How do we know that? Well, look at the next verse. And notice again in verse 3, in Christ. We could name every message that we ever preach as gospel preachers in Christ. Literally, we could do that. Because if you're not in Christ, you don't have all those spiritual blessings. Now look at this. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. How can people deny election? It's so clear there, isn't it? God himself. Look at this. Look at, let's tie verse 3 and 4 together. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. When? According as he, that being God spoken of, the Father, in verse 3, according as he hath chosen us in him, in Christ. Again, in Christ. In Christ. When? Before the foundation of the world. Before the foundation of the world. That means it has nothing to do with us. As far as earning it. Right? As far as even meriting it. Do you see that? Isn't that wondrous? It's all about him. We're seeing here the unfolding of God's sovereign plan in eternity in this portion. He's the one who chose us. He did it in eternity. He chose us in Christ, in whom we have all spiritual blessings. And all we are is receivers. We know that from chapter 2, right? For by grace you say through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Oh my, it's wonderful. It just gets better too. It just gets better. According as he hath chosen us, and there chosen there means chosen. It means to choose in the Greek. Chosen us in him, in Christ, when? Before the foundation of the world. Why? That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. That we should be able to stand in the presence of God forever. Forever. Remember in, over in Colossians it says that he has made us meet. That means qualified. He's qualified us for heaven, beloved. How? In Christ. Nowhere else. It's all wrapped up in him. And that's why the preaching of the righteousness of Christ is so important. That's why the preaching of the righteousness of Christ alone is so important. Because we see clearly that our righteousness has nothing to do with our salvation. As a matter of fact, it disqualifies us, doesn't it? Isn't that amazing? So we're going to see here, we're seeing here, this is all planned and purposed by God here. And look, it goes on to say this. Having predestinated us into the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of whose will? Where's man's will? Oh, people always say, 
People always say, well, you have to make a decision. It's, your, it's all about your will. Whose will was it that we be in Christ? According to the scripture here, it's God's will, isn't it? And it's according to his good pleasure. That's wonderful. That's absolutely wonderful. He chose us in Christ because, as I said this morning, it pleased him to do so. According to his good pleasure. It was his good pleasure to save you. (laughs) As I said this morning, that's something we're never going to get over. Absolutely never will we get over that fact. As a matter of fact, again, in heaven we sing worthy as a lamb, don't we? Giving him all the glory, honor, and praise. All of it. All of it. And back up to verse 4 again. Without, that, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. We're sinners to the core. We're sinners even after we're saved. But in Christ, we're made holy. We're accepted by God in Christ. Look at that. He predestinated us. Why? Unto adoption. Now we're sons of God. Unto adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. We're the bride of Christ, beloved. We're his. According to the good pleasure of his will. We could just sit right there. See, God's will is supreme. There's only one real free will in this whole universe. It's God's. He can do whatever he pleases, right? He says, I'll have mercy on whom I'll have mercy. I'll have compassion on whom I'll have compassion. We can't say anything, can we? Except when the Lord saves us, we say, glory to your name, O Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Praise your name. But it's all him. It's all him. Now look at this, verse 6. To the praise of the glory of his grace. Wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Now we're transitioning to that which occurred in time. So we see all there the sovereign will and grace of God has, has planned salvation's plan in Christ. And we've seen from those first six verses that it's all in him. And what can we do but say to the praise of the glory of his grace? It's the grace of God. And we see here at work the grace of God. So the grace of God in Christ, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit have planned and purposed that a people would be saved in Christ. Again, the key meaning, in Christ. <clears throat> now let's see it being executed. We saw this morning that our Savior came to this world as a submissive servant, Jehovah's servant. And he lived that perfect life. And then he died on Crowley's cross and he said, I laid down my life for the sheep, didn't he? And he did that. Look at this. In whom we have redemption. Who? Christ. In Christ. Again, in Christ. In whom we have redemption. Now is it in whom we have redemption if we decide to follow Jesus? Doesn't say that, does it? It says in whom we have redemption. Even the forgiveness of sins. Look at that. Through his blood, there is the key, in whom we have redemption, through his blood. So now we see salvation's plan transitioning to a time of Calvary's cross. 
when our great God became a man. And when he died on Calvary's cross to save his people from their sins. It says, through his blood. There's salvation no other way. There's no salvation in Mary. There's no salvation in Buddha. There's no salvation in Muhammad. There's no salvation in any other thing or person. There's only salvation in and through the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's through his precious blood that was shed for his people. Why? For the forgiveness of our sins. Those are what we own, isn't it? The forgiveness of our sins. Look at this. According to the riches of his grace. So we see, we've seen here that we're saved according to the good pleasure of his will, God's will. And now we see here that Christ came to this world, died on the cross, shed his precious blood to redeem us from all our sins, and it's all according to the riches of God's grace. Unmerited favor. Unmerited favor. It's absolutely incredible. Wherein he hath abounded toward us, his grace has abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Why in all wisdom and prudence? Because he, it's all part of salvation's plan from eternity. And our great God, our great God, he's wise, isn't he? He's full of grace. And look at this. Look at verse 9. Heaven made known unto us the mystery of his will. According to his good pleasure again. Which he hath what? Purposed in himself. When did he purpose all this in himself? Well, we see in, back there in verse 4, right? According as he had chosen us in him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. And he's revealed that plan to us, hasn't he? I didn't know any of this. You, if you had to talk to me 20 years ago about this, I would have no, no idea what you were talking about. When I was 30 years old, I'd have had no idea what you were talking about. I was blind as a, as a white goose in a snowstorm. I had no clue. No clue at all. But now, by the grace of God, I know this. And I don't know it by my own doing. And neither do you, who are God's people. You only know it as I only know it because God's revealed it to us. And now we rejoice in it, don't we? And we give God all the glory. And we see here, he purposed that in himself. According to his good pleasure. It's incredible. Look at this. That in the dispensation of the fullness of time, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, which are both, uh, let me start that verse again, verse 10. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. Verse 11. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Now we see a theme here, don't we? God does what he wills. 
He doesn't do what we will. <laughs> but he does what he wills, doesn't he? It's so clear. And he does what he wills in heaven and in earth. Why? Look at verse 12, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. <clears throat> now we come to our time. A time of love for every believer. What's the time of love? When God the Holy Spirit reveals Christ to us. That's the time of love. Look at verse 13. In whom ye also trusted after ye heard what? The word of truth. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel of how Christ came to save sinners. The gospel that at one time fell upon deaf ears with us. We heard it, but we didn't hear it. All we heard was the words of the preacher. But now we hear it. By the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And look what Paul writes there. In whom ye also trusted. After that ye heard the word of truth. The gospel of what? Your salvation. The gospel is the gospel of our salvation for each individual believer, isn't it? God saved me. He saved me by, by revealing Christ to me through the preaching of the gospel. Is it so for you? Amen. Hey. He did that. And that's what Paul's bringing forth here. The gospel of your salvation. It's not, it's not ours that we didn't do anything. It's God's salvation. But we've received it by the grace of God and the mercy of God, haven't we? And we trusted Christ by the grace and mercy of God. Because we know that God's given us faith to believe. He made us willing in the day of his power. It's all about him. This chapter is all about what God's done. It's all about what he's done. In whom also after that she believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. There's regeneration by the Holy Spirit of God. What did our king say? You must be born again. You must be born again. There it is. If you're not born again, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. It says you must be born again. Our master said that in John chapter 3. And look at that. You were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. See that word sealed there? I've mentioned this before, but I'm going to mention it again. In the ancient days, when Boxes were put on cargo ships. There was a seal placed on them. So, Brother Jim, if you had some boxes that were going on a certain ship, they would be sealed with your seal. Brother Dan, if you had some boxes going on the ship, same ship, how would you tell the boxes apart if they weren't a seal? So your boxes would be sealed with your seal. Then I got some boxes too, a couple boxes thrown there too. And they're sealed with my seal. So we get to the next port. And Brother Jim takes his boxes. Brother Dan takes his boxes and I take my boxes. 
And the only reason we know the difference between the boxes is because of that seal. That's what that seal means. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, beloved. That's wondrous. Absolutely. We're his. We're marked. We're marked, beloved, as his. How? Well, by the precious blood of Christ. Look at verse 14, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. Wherefore I also, verse 15, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love to all the saints, cease not to make, or cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. So Paul continuously prayed for God's people. When he heard of their faith, he rejoiced. He rejoiced. Just like when we heard that, that uh, the Lord had saved Brother Bill, Kirkpatrick. I know you guys had been praying for him for years. And the Lord saved him. We rejoiced, didn't we, when we heard that wondrous news. And we gave God all the glory. Well, Paul had heard of the Ephesians' faith. And he's giving glory to God for it. He's giving glory to God. Look at verse 17. That the God of our, fa- the, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance is in the saints. See, now we know something. Now we know something we didn't know before. We know Christ. Because he's revealed himself to us by his grace and by his mercy. And we have an inheritance, beloved, that cannot be defiled by anything we do. Isn't that incredible? Because if you're sealed, think of this. If that box is sealed to yours, Jim, Brother Jim, that's your box. It's not mine. It's not Dan's. It's yours. It's yours. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. We're his. And we have an inheritance again that cannot be, cannot be corrupted. Because why? It's in Christ. Now if it was of our doing, we would mess it up so bad. Oh my gosh. It'd be gone in the, probably what? Two seconds. Not even that. Right? <laughs> but do you see the assurance we have? see the security we have in Christ? Let us be constantly reminded of that. Let us remind ourselves of that. That we are to look to Christ and him alone. Look at this in verse 19 too. That we may know what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us, word, who believe according to the working of his mighty power. We were dead. We know that now. We were spiritually dead. Graveyard dead. We, we couldn't make ourselves alive. But now we're alive. By the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit of God. 
of, of God. Now we know about His power, don't we? We've experienced it. We've experienced the life-giving power of God the Holy Spirit. And now we know Him. Now we know Him. And now we proclaim He can save whomever He wills, can't He? He can save whoever He wills. Oh, I pray if it be God's will and you don't know Him, you who will hear this message, oh, I pray that God give you life. That you be born again by the Holy Spirit of God if it be His will. And look at this. Look in verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power to us, to you who believe? His power has been exercised on you and me as blood-washed believers. He's manifested His mighty power to us. And then it closes in there again, according to the working of His mighty power, regeneration, redemption, justification, adoption, all by the mighty power of God. Do you notice that in this passage there's nothing about what we do? Do you notice that Paul is just proclaiming what God's done? That's because salvation's of the Lord. It's not by anything we do. It's wonderful. Look at verse 20. Which he wrought again, look at these two words again, in Christ. There's a key. Do you notice the theme again? Paul is continuously bringing forth before them in Christ. In Christ. When he raised him from the dead. So we saw God's power exercised when Christ was raised from the dead. And sat him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. And we know that that same power raised us from our spiritual deadness. That same power was exercised. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this world, or that, that being age, but also in that which is to come. Now notice that. Where's Christ right now? He's far above all principality, power, and might and dominion. So our Savior, the one who keeps us by his grace, is far above anything in this world that can touch us. He's far above anything that's visible or invisible that can touch us. He's over all. Why do I fret then? The flesh. The flesh, the flesh, the flesh. Look at that magnificent statement. Far above all principality and power and might. There's nothing that is stronger than our God. You, you hear religious people talking and you think after you listen to them for a little while that they really believe Satan's stronger than God. But that's not true. We know from the book of Job Satan can only do what God allows. He's restrained. 
like uh, Henry Mahan said, he's like a dog on a leash. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion. That's everything. Anything in this world, anything visible or invisible, he's over it all. He's in glory right now. In every name of his name, think of all the great names that have went through history in this world. No great names, just given Caesar, Augustus, Alexander, all these great names that the world you know, just, just holds up and vaults up in renown. Nothing compared to Christ. He's far above them all. He's far above them all, beloved. He's the King of kings, and he's the Lord of lords. And this scripture declares that he's, he's above them all. And that, where is he right now? Well, he sat down. Work's finished. And he did it all. We see here in this whole chapter, God did it all. No wonder Paul penned in the second, in the, in the second uh, chapter, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not yourselves, it's a gift of God. We didn't do nothing to earn it. We didn't do nothing to merit it. If we got what we deserved, we'd be in hell. This is pure grace. This is a miserable grace before us. And look at that. Not only in this world or age, but also in that which is to come. There has never been, and there never will be anyone who can usurp God from his throne. He's almighty. And he won't leave his throne either, will he? No way. You've heard me say, empires of rose. Babylon, oh, great empire. Rome, militarily, Rome. Before Rome, Greek just conquered vast swaths of land. And then the Roman army comes in right behind them. Conquering more land. But our Lord is far above all. And, and all those empires, where are they now? They're gone. We read about them in the history books. They were raised up for a time. And when they fulfilled their purpose, they were gone. What did our, what, what did our God say about Pharaoh? That he raised them up for this purpose. My, oh, my. And look at verse 22. And let us take comfort here. And it put all things under his feet. Under Christ's feet. Our Savior, the one who keeps us, the one who saved us, and the one who keeps us, has all power. All of it. And gave him to be the head over all things to the church. He's the head, and we're the body. And then what it saith the church, which is the body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So in this portion of scripture we've looked at tonight, We've seen the unfolding of God's sovereign plan. We've seen it executed in time when Christ redeemed us. 
from the curse of the law. We've seen the Holy Spirit sealing us with the sealing us. We're His. We're God's. And we've seen it's all by His almighty power. Lord, help us not to doubt. Help us to look to Thee. We live in a time now of like that. I was talking to a sister this morning, and she said, when, when I mentioned about the ebb and flow, right, she, got a, she brought a great point out. She said, there's the ebb and flow, but where's the constant? That's Christ right through it all. Oh, my, I was so blessed. I, said, I wish you had told me that before the message. <laughs> oh, my, isn't that true? It's true, isn't it? He's the constant, beloved. Let us keep looking to him. Let us keep looking to him. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for your mercy and your grace. Thank you for allowing us to look into thy word tonight. Oh, it's wondrous. As we see these wondrous truths set before us. Lord Jesus, we are just so thankful as your people. Thankful that we were included in salvation's plan. And Father, as we looked at how you planned and purposed salvation for we who are your people in Christ. And we saw that it was all according to thy good pleasure. Oh, Lord, I don't think we're ever going to get over that. I don't think we ever will. And we thank thee, Lord Jesus, for coming to this earth and dying for your sheep, redeeming us with thy precious blood. And we thank thee, Holy Spirit, for regenerating us quickening us, making us alive in Christ. Oh, it's wondrous. It's wondrous. Help us, Lord Jesus, to think upon these wonderful truths which we've looked at this morning and tonight through this week and give us grace as needed through this week. In Jesus' name, amen.